Hey guys, as always, the Side Character Podcasts are not experts. These are just our own personal opinions and experiences. Now on to the show. Hello, and welcome to the side characters, the podcast where we talk about cultural diversity in their culture. I am Jordan, and I'm Leah. I, I'm sorry. I, I felt like I felt like now that we are we have like a sponsor or sorry a network and all of that. Sponsor. And we're working with. Uh, we're, we're not working, that big. We're not. Shut up! It's my time to talk. Now that we have a network and that we're like working with other people, I felt like I needed to do like more of a dramatic opening. Hello, be more powerful, be more presentable. Like show them our skills in one opening alone. Um, and it's my job. You can to knock um, please you down back to earth. Email me at sidecharacterspod at gmail and let me know how awful that was. Mm. Um. Anyways, welcome, Glia. Yeah. How are you doing? Good. Season so we two. Are, Season two. Yeah, Always literally. worse than the first. <laughs> wow. Thank you for se- thank you for setting us up to like for failure hey, already. Hey, it's for people to be pleasantly surprised. Set your expectations low and then you'll be surprised and it'll be so much better. <laughs> this is why you let me do the latest, because now you just offended everybody. Um so, yeah, and especially our producer who has to spend all of his time editing this episode. He's, that's oh, it's you. gonna be worse. That's oh, it's gonna you. be worse. I might as well not even edit these episodes if it's gonna be worse. That's you. That's literally what he says. Yeah, yeah. The, our our super producer sitting in the back, he's always quiet. Oh, yeah. Um but yeah, so we had to do a lot of changing of things since um, we are now um, part of the Educated Mess Network, um, a podcast network about taking deep dives into specific um, topics. And our topics are the cultural diversity nerd culture topic. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're going to be a little bit more serious this season and everything is going to change drastically. So we're all actually starting off with a very, very heavy episode See, and um, that's, this season. And- and Fair I enough. was and I was like, and see how I just resisted making a joke about us being the diversity hires? We're more serious. So yeah, we're starting out with actually one of the big topics that we talked about wanting to do last season when we did like the whitewashing episode. So today's episode, if it's not already in the title, is when we're going to talk about cultural appropriation. It's gonna not going to be in the title if I have anything to say. It's my job to come up with the funny titles. Okay. Anyways, we're going to be talking about cultural appropriation, Leo. <laughs> so since this was, this is going to be a freaking long topic. So do you want to just yeah. get right into it? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So we we're back to our normal format of doing like definitions and then talking about the stuff first. So we're going to lead into what the heck is cultural appropriation? I bet this is a thing that people hear all the time and. As I've seen from like Twitter and everything else, that a lot of people don't truly understand it. Oh, especially they, Twitter. Yeah, and they, and they and people like, oh, everybody says this is cultural appropriation when it's not. When like actually, if you look at a lot of the stuff based off these definitions, a lot of stuff that people say is not cultural appropriation is. So let's get into it so we can understand what this means more. So we're not just flinging out like whatevers, and so. The definitions of cultural appropriation in history of the term. I am smoking my pipe with my, like, robe on. Anyways. Okay, so from dictionary.com, cultural appropriation is the adoption 
usually without acknowledgement of cultural identity markers from subcultures or minority communities into mainstream culture by people with a relatively privileged status. Excellent. Okay, so what does that mean to you, Leah? <laughs> you know, as an as someone who's trained as an anthropologist, let me tell you, this term originally comes from like anthropology and social sciences, and so I just want to say we were the original hipsters. Oh my this god! This term was in academia for no, I'm joking. But anyways, so it was used in academia for a really long time because anthropologists and archaeologists have been committing it for years. So museums. That's all I gotta say. Okay, the very freaking basis of it is taking someone else's culture and then like putting it in the mainstream without actually acknowledging that culture. Um, cultural appropriation itself stems from colonialism and differs from other forms of cultural exchange because it is based on unequal exchange of cultural information, boiling it down to theft, with those colonized being left bereft. My favorite word. Guess who wrote that sentence? That be Leo. You don't have. You literally don't have to point that out. Oh, I. Oh. I but I love that word so much. I have to. <laughs> Anyways, it is um, a form of exploitation that leaves those working to preserve culture that have been brutalized for hundreds of years with few options. So um, we're gonna get into examples, but I think just take a second to kind of think about like that first definition, like kind of just like. Think about where you've seen this or how you've seen this kind of portrayed. Um, so this next part is from Wikipedia. And like, I, I honestly, the Wikipedia article on cultural appropriation, just like to get a basic understanding is pretty good. So we've took some snippets out of it and kind of compressed it down. So I wasn't reading the entire Wikipedia page, but um, this comes from Wikipedia. Those who see this appropriation as exploitative state that cultural elements are lost or distorted when they are removed from their originating cultural context, and that such displays are disrespectful or even a form of desecration. Cultural elements that have been deep that have deep meaning to the original culture may be reduced to exotic fashion or toys by those from the dominant culture. So, yeah. um, quick example, we'll get into it later, but it's kind of like how you'll see a bunch of people wearing, um, headdresses from certain cultures and just as a fashion statement or certain clothing as a fashion statement without giving any reference to that culture because they see it as exotic. And I think yeah. that leads perfectly into what Leah's going to talk about. I was, I was going to mention just like at the most basic level museums, just think of the museums filled with objects that were taken from other places that then became popularized because they were in museums and that pushed forward all sorts of things. Um, yeah. But extension to like just cultural appropriation, I think we have to talk about two other forms that like relate to this aren't exactly the same thing but relate definition wise and just like go hand in hand that it was like tr discussing beforehand with my friend who does cultural heritage like what was the what how did these differ was really difficult to like separate them so we need to talk about them and those are racial fetishization and exoticism both pretty well-known terms in my field um fetishization is the sexual interest in an object, a part of the body that is not a sexual ob organ, or a person as if they were an object. 
And that's from Cambridge Dictionary right there. That's your basic definition. And so like, like Adam, my fetish for um, Ryan Reynolds, correct? Yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and fetishization, like on its most basic level, means the sexualization of something, which isn't inherently bad. Like we are Kink's Positive podcast here. We all know Jordan's love of the Iron <sighs> Pole. Ha ha. He's got a face on. Um, yeah, but, usually I do have a face. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Um, so that's not what we're talking about here. The second, the issue that arises is from the second part of that definition. Like fetishizing can be f- the sexual des- desire for someone for a physical or cultural ca- attribute they possess. And this is different from being attracted to an aspect of cultural heritage or appearance, but instead being hyper focused on the superficial for sexual gratification. So we've talked on this before about like viewing women as sexual objects on this podcast. And this like continues from that. Does that make sense, Jordan? Did I explain that too much? Yeah. Yeah. And and it's like, it's kind of because I've heard there was like a podcast a while ago that got called out by the way they were talking about like their love for black men because they were um, fetishizing black men as being a specific thing. Rather, you, you, you get it. But like, yeah, yeah. There's, it, it's. You'll see a lot of this, like, with um, fetishizing certain um, races or ethnicities of people. Yeah. And this, it's, like, we'll get into it later, but Asian women yeah. get this a lot. Um, and it's, yeah, it's turning someone into, basically, as you saw in that definition, it's turning someone into an object. Yeah. To be looked at. And to be perused the same way you would do with an anime figurine. (laughs) Wow, that was pointed. (laughs) Uh, I have a lot of issues with this. But yeah, Yeah, it's not exactly the same as cultural appropriation. But it also like is hand in hand because it ties along with exoticism. Yes, what is exoticism? Which which exoticism? Does it go hand in hand with fetishization? Does it? Does it? Which exoticism is... A more like it's thrown around, but you most commonly see it in academic context because it was like the starting word that was used a lot and goes back hundreds and hundreds of years in the West. So it is related to like Orientalism. And basically, here's a complicated definition for you. Exoticism describes a cultural phenomenon that projects Western fantasies about profound cultural differences. It adopts a cultural perspective that is firmly entrenched in conventions and beliefs systems of Western civilization and therefore constructs the East as an archetypal location of otherness. And that's from the International Encyclopedia of Social Sciences. Shall Mm. I break that down? Yes, you should. Okay, so basically it's us, the West, which I assume 90% of our listeners, probably 99, maybe all of them, are in Western-based countries. I think they are projecting onto cultures, particularly those in considered East in the East. So most of Asia and Africa, but also any other country that's not part of the traditional West as projecting our beliefs onto them and our fantasies of how they are onto them. Mm. So it's like using our systems of belief to talk about their culture and constructing it as it's like, Ooh, it's the different. It's the exotic. Think of like most commonly comes up. Uh, yeah. So it's the quality of being like unusual and exciting um, because of it's coming from f- 
a far away, especially a tropical country. That's from Cambridge Dictionary. Slightly little more well, con- con- like compact. I think it can go both ways. Like the exoticizing as, oh, hey, this is special and rare. So, oh my gosh, I'm going to like praise over it. Or also exoticizing it almost like of seeing it as other and different. So therefore unapproachable. Kind of like the idea of, because this comes in later with my example of like, um, of making certain properties and things from cultures um, palatable for American audiences because they think that they that no one will understand it because it is so different. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, like exoticism can be like both aspects. Mainly you're talking about, and this all relates to, as we've discussed on previous podcasts, the concept of the other. It's making things into the other. And in this case, exoticism and Orientalism is meant to make it as other as in it's exotic it's unique it's unusual and just placing that otherness onto you and what you just described is typical like making something other the other like that's describing it as the other it's making it so that it's different and then the exoticism adds in that appreciation for it being tropical so like Imagine, as you will, all those white people going into the Middle East at the late 1800s to go and appreciate Egyptian culture and to just use it while staying in four-star hotels and blah, 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 but they still want... Or if you've seen... You remember that scene in Bride and Prejudice, the like remake of the um, Pride and Prejudice movie that's set in India? No, you haven't seen that. Well, there's a moment in it where she calls him out for buying a hotel to experience India. Yeah, that's exoticism right there. So if you've seen it, you know it. Anyways. I do love, just really quick, we're going to take a quick second. I do love how you asked if I've seen that movie as if that's something that I would have watched on my own. Hey, I don't know. You occasionally have told me that you enjoy some more romantic movies. It's fine. I'm not going to assume. Um, Please assume when it comes to me that I probably haven't watched it. <laughs> oh, that is true. You do only watch melancholy stuff now, so. Yeah, so if it's not sad, I don't like it. Anyways, yeah. c- continue. <laughs> um, I did have one last definition. I don't know if it's in- as good, but it's from Oxford, the Oxford Dictionary, which is the unacknowledged or inappropriate adoption of customs, practices, ideas, etc. of one people or society by members of another typically more dominant society people or society hmm, also sounds incredibly similar to cultural appropriation. So I, I think that the thing that's going to continually stand out, and I think that this is, this isn't something that I really highlighted before, but the thing that really stands out is the very last line always typically by more dominant people or society. Yeah. So the West. Yeah. It's like, it's like, what, what, what does, what does that tell you guys? Usually the more dominant society, um, if you haven't really noticed, is usually um, the West or, um, sorry guys, but white culture or, you know, um, Caucasian, whatever you want to call yourselves. But yeah, it's usually the more dominant, the people who were the colonizers, the people who, um, you know. Not to say this can't be committed by non-white cultures. That's not what I was saying, but I was saying that usually it is coming, like it says, typically by the dominant society. And that's usually oh, yeah. right now is the dominant societies, if you look around, are usually um, 
you know. Oh, the West. So. No, I 100% saying that. I was just caveating that it can also be non-white societies. We're not saying that it's only white societies. We are saying that if 99% of the time it's white societies because we're yeah. dicks. Yeah, and I mean, that, and when we say, and again, we'll get to this later, but when we say, like, I am from colonialization, it did specifically, when when the countries were colonized, a lot of the stuff was taken in by the white culture and pretty much yeah. um, dissolved and cre- taken into one culture, and a lot of the culture was erased by the colonizers. So anyways, what what's next? Yeah, so, like, this is... All of this wrapped in, like, particularly fetishization and and exoticism is really, really, really harmful to female POCs. Um, It's a huge problem for them, especially with the fetishization. It's that double whammy of being treated as an object as a woman, but also then having your race be treated as something other and exotic that's even better. You're like the next level version, the limited edition object as a woman um and it's also like because of the uptick in the west of the popularization of k-pop and other types of east asian pop there's also been this huge increase in fetishization of asian men that's that's something i've noticed so but yeah so i've noticed the um because of k-pop but i also so i think it's not just with well i mean you aren't saying it's just with the Asian men, but I mean, there is kind of that uptick in fetishization of the um, Asian women, especially when it comes to K-pop. And I've kind of seen this, like the way that the women of K-pop are treated. And oh yeah, that, absolutely. And we'll, we'll talk about that because that goes way deeper, especially the way the women are treated and marketed it. So yeah. it kind of no, perpetuates itself that way. Uh, no, that was more of a fact of that, like there are several tropes within for particularly Asian women that have been around for hundreds of years, like the idea of women being a lotus or being a fiery dragon. That's those <laughs> two types. Yeah, they're like, I can't remember. I, the fire dragon is not, but that's the, it's the whole thing of that. And so it's just that we've seen an even like a significant increase because of the popularization of K-pop. The K-pop for women just continues something that's already disgusting and is already there. Yeah. <laughs> that's already disgusting Mm. not not even acknowledging the fact that k-pop itself does commits quite a bit of cultural appropriation on its own so but yeah (laughs) wait everybody commits cultural appropriation oh my god yeah Uh. but yeah i did have a uh quote from an article that i read um which we'll have in the we'll have the articles we referenced today in the description as usual um but it's from the median, um, from Gabrielle Choi. Um, so she basically writes saying there are a lot of people who take it too far and it doesn't feel like appreciation anymore. It feels more like my identity is being idealized and it's disturbing. And that's just like in reference to like where people were cultural appropriation and appreciation where it starts out as appreciation and turns into something more. This all goes towards racial idealization, which views a culture based on assumptions, not on the actual culture of that people. Mm. And mm. have I heard that before? Well, it, it goes hand in hand with all those like stereotyping and and like this whole cultural appropriation does perpetuate stereotyping and just 
a lot a lot of that whole like racial idealization side where it's like that whole the stereotype of like asian um asian people being like smarter and all of that and it helps perpetuate those sides of it by exoticizing the culture and also perpetuates a lot of negative racial stereotypes towards african americans as well um seeing them as more tribal and therefore um dumber because of that Mm. so it's um it's fun what i'm saying is it's fun (laughs) it's all really good and it makes you feel great especially when someone assumes if you say you're from a certain place or your ancestry is from a certain place they assume they know all about you because they have this idea this this image of what your culture is because of it so it it just it sucks um so what are some examples of cultural appropriation and i honestly i i do think this is a confusing topic because cultural appropriation can exist in so many forms so um i guess a few outside of nerd culture are like um using jewelry or clothing such as headdresses or religious symbolism that may have important cultural significance but simply using it as like a fashion statement or a quote-unquote to look exotic yeah yeah and yeah those key thing here is like i think particularly one of the big things that cultural appropriation is also confusing because it depends on you talking to the people who you're taking this from which confuses people and i think the thing is that we can always be assured of if it's religious don't fucking use it and that's like the other thing of like people using different cultures symbolism to like look cool which includes like people using islam and incorporating those in and people using buddhist symbol uh symbolism as well to look cool rather than actually being a practicing a practitioner of that religion and not realizing the religious or or um ritual significance of those objects yeah and like you'll see people like tons of like shirts with like religious symbols on it or things like that and like they'll have no clue of what it actually means it just to them looks cool or it's like oh wow this is a cool design and that's like just again going back to the definition taking without acknowledgement yeah and here's the thing that people throw back at you they're like well as a christian i don't care if people use my symbol and i'm like "Mm, there are christians who do care there are Christians who do care, and as the U.S. conservative right tends to say all the fucking time, um, it, but it's that it's about what it means to the people itself. So that's the important thing here is that religious is usually a safe bet. You can assume that the people who are practicing that religion care about it. If you don't care, it doesn't mean someone else won't care as well. They might care deeply about it. Well, and I think just in general, that is just the rule. Just because you yourself don't care doesn't mean it doesn't affect others like like and just quick aside this is like comes to the whole argument that i have on a constant basis with people using the n-word just because you have black friends who don't care doesn't mean i don't care yeah so just just take that inside if you're cool so well it's not a big deal because like people can do what no 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 no. just because it doesn't affect you doesn't mean it doesn't affect others just because you don't experience racism doesn't mean it doesn't exist because you've lived in an all-white town your entire life like 
that that because it, it comes saying that comes from a place of privilege because you have the privilege to not care exactly which goes to show that whole thing we were saying in the definition that it comes from a privileged society a place of ma- dominance you're in that place hey oh bring yeah. it back around <laughs> bring it back around uh, hey <laughs> yeah but then it also again it comes Another example is like borrowing or adapting musical styles, hairstyles, and dress and not crediting the culture that they come from. Um, and my favorite example of this is of Adam Levine's weird cornrow mohawk that he said. And people are like, hey, that's cultural appropriation. He's like, no, it's not. Cornrows are for everybody. It's like, yeeks. <laughs> yeah, this is a huge thing. Like, this is just a big issue. Like, there's so many instances of this happening. And I, like, the reason I've been... I, I, I'm thinking of K-pop is because I've, like, have in the past, what, year, two years, since lockdown, pretty much, gotten quite heavily into oh, listening to K-pop. Oh, I know. Again, <laughs> it's only, it's only been two years, my god. Um, and a lot of K-pop artists, like, you'll see in K-pop, will, there are the examples of the atrocious ones, like, there was a time, I think, twice was dressed as, um, Indigenous Americans, that was bad. Like, that, that happens. happens. Or, like, there's other ones that use, like, supposed African, in quotes, influences, where it's meant to just be jungle, like, whatever. <sighs> uh, it's bad. But also, here's another thing you don't realize. It's also the American black music scene. Yes. Because what most people don't realize or are only starting to realize is that a lot of these artists who appeal to Western audiences come to the U.S. or bring over black music producers who produce all their music now and none of them are recognizing the fact that they're, they've taken this and very few people are recognizing that they've taken this and have started doing that appropriation of the style without recognizing the people who have helped and influenced them and that long tradition as it's taken literally like the American artists to do that at least like it's taken convincing American artists to do that like slapping them in the face for goddamn however long it needs to and not all of them do it but the Korean industry just doesn't want to do it at all so because people don't know I remember when like rap was this thing where it's like oh this is violent and we shouldn't have our kids listening to it because you'll be violent and get to drugs and all this and rap needs to be monitored and we can't have rap in our society and now everybody their mothers wants to take from rap because it's cool yeah and that's the, the thing is that like i i enjoy rap a lot jordan knows this i do enjoy rap a lot and i it's it's the whole point people is that you need to recognize the heritage you need to recognize where it comes from and who and who it originally like the purpose it was made for and like who it came from and and acknowledge that and the fact that you're using people's culture to produce your own music and like that's important to remember like yeah yeah because i don't want to get into it because it will make me angry but like certain churches or certain musical groups adapting slave spirituals into their music mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. not crediting that they're adapting slave spirituals into their music I could go into a whole thing about, like, why MCs existed and, like, the start of that and how rap started and how it came from, like, the dance-offs and that it was, like, a form of, like, cultural expression. Like, I had a friend who did basically hip-hop. She was a hip-hop anthropologist. And it's, like, a super interesting story that no one talks about. And the whole point was that it was expression during a time in America where that still is similar today where 
there was largely in areas where there was race riots and other stuff going on like that it was a form of cultural expression yeah yeah. i mean rap a lot of rap origins do come from expressing feelings during oppression (laughs) yeah and yeah Yeah. so it's very culturally significant because it was a way for people to express how they were feeling um you know getting killed in the streets or getting treated like trash or living impoverished because society thought of them as animals but anyways we're we are a uh, nerd culture podcast so i guess it's time to get to the nerd side of it leah um with some nerd culture examples um yeah let's start with the big one which we've already the the, the low-hanging fruit the easy one to do that would be um your your weebs and your weeboos which I feel like we should have pulled out a definition here, but because some people might not know. Jordan, do you want to look up for me? the? Because there's t- two different definitions on Urban Dictionary, one for both, which I think we'll talk about a little, a little bit next next time. But pull up. Um, just, I mean, the one that I'm pulling up really quick is um, a weeb is a derisive term for a non-Japanese person who's obsessed with Japanese culture that they wish they were actually Japanese. A wee. Yeah. Uh, is um mostly derogatory slang term for a Western person who's obsessed with Japanese culture, especially anime, offering often regarding it as superior to all other cultures. Yeah. So yeah, we'll get into because there's like the, we know like I was looking into this and I talked to Jordan about this before this. There is a bit of complexity with that definition, and it is changing currently in. In ling in linguistically, (laughs) linguistics. So we'll get into that next time. Just letting you know. But this is a huge thing, and let's talk about it. Let's talk about weebs. Well, it is like the culture of weeb culture stuff. Those who do really like Japanese culture, but like I was saying, there's a before we start, I was saying there's like a difference between like someone who's liking anime and liking like the Japanese culture and then someone who like the, the definitions definition said thinking that Japanese culture is superior to all like almost exoticizing and fetishizing that type of culture as being their own thing and then also there's a side of it where there are the people who completely get absorbed by it and like they they take the parts of the culture and like such as the dress, such as like quote unquote the samurai codes and like live die by the sword and that that type where they dive Bushido. so so far into it and they become like this other thing because of it. So so like to me we yeah. we weave is a term that has many different meanings and can refer to many people, but there is like as I would say to Leah before we started like a light weebs like someone who just likes anime is like oh yeah like um. The, the food, the culture, the style, I think it's really cool. And there's other person who's like, I, in a past life, was well, Japanese, and I will live and die by the samurai code. And it's like, eh. Since we're going into this, I want to show you the definitions I found, because I uh, otherwise we can talk about this next time. But it was very interesting. So on Urban Dictionary, there are two different definitions and this is the difference is that there's like, I was reading articles that Weeb has been reclaimed to be like ironic. 
And that's why there are two definitions now. So weeb on Urban Dictionary, a weeb is a person who is interested in anime and Japanese culture. There is an important difference between a weeb and a weebo. 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 The latter is someone who has denounced their own culture, believe that they are, or want to become Japanese. They have a waifu or body pillow if so, of some sort and watch hentai. Weebs are normal people who like anime and may have some merch. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, like, so, so there is a side of it that is just, you know, like, I appreciate this. I enjoy it. And there's a side of it that is appropriating it. Which is very different, actually. It's only been a few years because most articles that talk about this are only from a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. And they say, and weebs technically is the shortened form of weeboos. Yeah, and now they mean two different so, things. And now there, it's been reclaimed, which I scoff at that, that term. But... Yeah, it's uh, it, it's a real issue. It's a real issue because what it does is that idealization. They create these assumptions and it may have started out as like appreciation. And that's where I think weebs come like skirt that line. And we'll discuss the, the things I have, ideas I have on that, I think later. But they, they skirt that line and sometimes go beyond cultural appreciation into appropriation and... And that's the thing is that that's what happens when like, and then you throw in the whole fact that Japanese, the Japanese are more accommodating than other cultures towards letting people use their culture. Mm -hmm. So like most Japanese will say you're, it's fine if you use kimonos, like it's fine if you wear them, it's fine if you wear yakuta. Um, like that's, that's fine because that's like encouraging appreciation What's not fine is to wear a goddamn skimpy version of a Shinto priest costume on as a cosplayer. That's not okay. Like, which I've goddamn seen that. It's unfortunate. Um, Jeez, like, <laughs> that's <laughs> I laugh because it's bad. <laughs> yeah. So, like, there's and like one thing that I do know that pisses off many Japanese people that I'm friends with is these is weeps and we was using Japanese the language inappropriately because the Japanese have pretty like structured language and there's been a lot of stuff, but it pisses some of them off when people throw in these terms and don't understand like how like inappropriate they're being. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And it's, you have to think about like things that people are okay with and aren't okay with and what you're projecting onto other people. Like some of the people I know who classify themselves as weebs are, have educated themselves on Japanese history, are learning the language, are understand that Japan is a place that is hev- can be heavily xenophobic and goddamn sexist. Yeah. Um, and are acknowledging that Japan is a complex place and not a haven for perfect for anime people to get girlfriends. Like that yeah. Which there are people like that. There are so many people who go. To I was Japan. about to bring that up because I think it, honestly, I think it's awful, but it is kind of funny. People specifically going to Japan to get a girlfriend. It's, it's kind of funny. That okay. Here's the best one. I gotta tell an aside story. My a family member of mine who used to live in Japan um, sometimes goes on the Reddit forums for moving to Japan. And he sent me a post of someone who wanted to be an anthropologist in Japan. And was like, how do I do that? Oh, by the way, I don't speak any Japanese. I don't know anything about Japanese culture. I like all these different things. It's just like, 
you want to be an anthropologist and you don't like what the heck so it's there are people who do that they just go in with no knowledge of and they have this static image that comes from anime and stuff like that like the simplest things of like people starting to use the word like people using inappropriate versions of the word you in japanese something as simple as that because in anime they you often use very disrespectful forms of the word you yeah, because and people start using that well first i have to say like with your example that's just it's funny because it's like i want to be an engineer but i don't know math <laughs> that, yeah, that's what that says much. to me but also the second it's like it's it would be like the same as learning um english off of like a sitcom or like w- watching um mtv to learn english it's like a lot of it is more crass more like friendly way of speaking i guess right yeah well it's the so i know that there are multiple people who have learned from sitcoms like from friends and stuff like that friends is appropriate the fact is in anime when people are yelling at you i'm i'm gonna kill you they probably are not using the right stuff and anime uses different forms because japan Jap- god because japanese has different like levels of like politeness mm-hmm. Those are going to be, those are what you're seeing in anime is different. They're designed for different like things. You wouldn't actually speak like that in most cases, unless you're watching maybe Slice of Life once. And those, you would only want to speak with your personal friends because usually they're talking to each other as if they're close friends, not as if they're talking to coworkers or people they don't know. So yeah. yeah. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Apparently we got a lot to unpack when it comes to weeb stuff. Um, I, sorry. I have issues with this. It's a big yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, I also so. have issues just in general. Um, so the <laughs> other example is um the whitewashed live action remakes, and I know we talked about this on our whitewashing episode, but um, it's you know taking the original content and removing the culture in it and like making it more quote unquote palatable for Western audiences in like the way that they did for like Ghost in the Shell, Deaf No, um prince of persia stuff like that and i mean it's old boy that's yeah i know because there was yeah there was that horrible old boy yeah which i i see i forgot it exists because like i got so mad just knowing that it was a thing i've never watched it it was so bad well yeah yeah it's it's taking out the culture stuff and like making it so that american audiences will under be able to understand it that that is cultural appropriation is stripping it of the culture side and being oh yeah because americans will understand it like so I, like i was saying earlier where it's like that side of it, it's like oh it's so different and so other that we need to fix this so that it can make sense to us when you don't need to do that because showing other cultures is how people learn about other people yeah also i have to say this is a personal gripe this is like legitimately a personal gripe of mine i watch a lot of korean dramas we all know this everybody who listens to this probably knows this i watch a lot of korean dramas i watch a lot of things in subtitles sometimes i get tired of watching subtitles and really wish i could watch english shows and then i struggle to find english shows to watch um but the thing that pisses me off sometimes is when people are like i don't like reading anything with subtitles I, I refuse to watch anything from another culture because it has subtitles. Um, that's stupid. That's stupid because, and it just kind of makes me, sl- I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. Let me tone that back. Let's go back. People say, I don't want to watch this because it has subtitles. That 
is kind of frustrating because these are usually the same people who then go, I have nothing to watch. There's nothing to watch on Netflix. I have nothing to watch. Literally had a conversation with someone being like, I finished Netflix and was like, oh, I've heard of none of these shows. And we're like, because they're not in English. They're like, oh, I don't read subtitles. Well, that's your issue. I'm sorry. Pretty much the rest of the world is forced to read subtitles every every single time they watch a Western movie. Or put up with horrible dubs, which we all know how everybody feels about dubs. So maybe you could learn to read subtitles. And just considering, I love the fact that most of the Gen Zers, and myself included in this, even though I'm a millennial, really like closed captioning. Closed captioning's great now. It helps you process things better. Yeah. Next step, subtitles. <laughs> Watch things with subtitles. Watch things in original language. It's so much more interesting and Anyways, sorry, that's that's my rant. Maybe it's not because of this, but I know a lot of live action stuff, like live action remakes happen, or sorry, American remakes, not just live action, but American remakes happen because there's a, there's like this idea that a movie with subtitles and stuff is inaccessible to Americans. It's it's like, because yeah. I know when Parasite won that Oscar, there was a lot of people saying, it's like, why did it win? It shouldn't have won. This doesn't make sense because this is not something that we could have understood. But it's like, you can read the, it's a very translatable movie. Just read the subtitles. It makes sense for any culture. Oh, God. Hulu and their comeback of Learn Korean. Yeah. Mm case anybody doesn't remember that they were like people were like you why don't you put it in english you could have it dubbed or whatever or, i don't even remember and they were like learn korean <laughs> or just, just like read the like, subtitles or learn korean like grow up anyhow yeah. um yeah. so and then the last one i know of the examples in their culture horizon zero dawn got a lot of and you know my favorite game i had to put on the chopping block sometimes but it got called out for this um through the way they were presenting the cultures in the game as like a pseudo native or pseudo indigenous cultures um, without really representing the roots or representing like those cultural ideas. They kind of just like took the indigenous and native cultures and like made their own shape of what that should look like. And I know that horizon got a lot of flack. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I get, I get the disappointment. <laughs> so. I hope that they brought on someone mm. for the thing. Yeah, I, re I really do. Like those, those Australians need to like, you know, bring in more people. Um, Sorry. Um, so, why is cultural appropriation important, and who does it affect? But I think we've already talked a lot about that. But um, kind of going a little bit more into it, is cultural appropriation yeah. is colonialism. Mm -hmm. It is mm -hmm. anal. I can't pronounce this word. Analogous. Anal. Anal. Yes. Analogous. Analogous to yeah. the seizure yeah. of land analogous. and artifacts. So. When places were colonized, like I was saying before, um, the colonizers took part of the culture with them as trophies. They, um, yeah, it, it, it was conquest of war, conquest of taking the land. And then they took in, a lot of times, they took in these cultures and the things that were, um, that they learned from other people. And they replaced it with Western religions such as Christianity. Yeah. So, um, yep. going a little bit further into that, there are a lot of places that don't even represent or don't even practice the original, um, 
the the original religions of the lands that they, they practice christianity instead because their culture and their religions were absorbed so we could talk about one that i know a lot about and it has come up a lot this year especially for those in canada which is canadian residential schools so these were um for people who don't know um basically uh children were ripped away from their families and put into these residential schools and forced to assimilate to white culture in addition to having a, like numerous atrocities happen to them. I don't know if people have, I hope people have heard about the, the um, mass graves that have been found at many residential schools in Canada these years. Um, it was not good. It also, uh, similar things occurred in Australia and in the U.S. Um, and these, these, coincided with anti-native uh american laws in north america just which made it illegal for all indigenous people to practice their own culture but they in the same time took that and um like has been co-opted but it's been maintained and like to have struggling to maintain that like languages are dying and other parts of that and they've been cool but instead they've just been co-opted by like couture fashion houses or vintage stores that um to sell and a lot of these some of these ones are doing like vintage stores are doing a good job they bring in the local artists they tell you where it comes from most don't most just take it and resell it um or in the case of nerd culture this comes in as skins in your loot boxes such as in overwatch this one bugs me so much um farah in overwatch who at the time this happened was known to be egyptian yeah. had a skin that was based on pacific northwest i believe influences um it was a thun it was called thunderbird and it was definitely uh first nation based canadian or pacific northwest based groups um and then after they got flack for that, Overwatch came out and was like, oh, yeah, her dad's her dad's First Nation. Yeah. Conveniently. Very, very convenient. Yeah. So, it you know, this happens all the time. And it's a huge, like, it's just, it's a long-term thing. It's been happening for so long. And we do it, we do it in so many places where it's just like, uh, museums are full of it. This is a lot of what I, <laughs> you know, deal with in this, this. We talk about this. The entire field founded on it. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. It, it it's it's a lot. And like that's the question of who does this affect? It affects the minorities who are struggling so hard to hold on to their own cultural identity and have their cultural identity represented in mainstream without being exoticized or fetishized. It's it's that's who it affects in yeah i mean and it, it it's bad because like it, it perpetuates stereotypes and like we were saying before like um i guess the way that um african culture is presented now and there is this like coming back of where it's now getting fetishized and um exoticized but like the way that african culture is um presented is as savage as like lesser and you get a lot of um jungle stuff and like equating the people as lesser because that the society isn't the same as some of these western societies and so it perpetuates this 
the stereotype that African Americans and Africans are lesser. Yeah. Um, it yeah. perpetuates the stereotypes, the exoticism stereotypes and stuff of Asian cultures, of all the other cultures. But it, it, it does help keep pushing this idea of different, pushing this idea of other, because we're t- taking this in to be as an other. So what it also does, and I think it's important to point out, is that oftentimes these are put side by side with stuff of historic cultures. So museums tended to use to do this quite frequently, and other people do, where they'll put things from modern indigenous groups alongside stuff from ancient cultures, ancient civilizations, to be like they're comparable, which actually thus reduces these groups to being a static entity that doesn't change through time, which is inaccurate. Culture changes, culture moves. And what it does is it perpetuates that solid thing that the only thing you can see is that. And it's the, and then equating it to the same as ancient cultures, which aren't as good in Western views of Western modern culture. It's, it's this, it's, it's creating and cementing even further this view that we have that, of uh, indigenous groups particularly suffer from this yeah it's it's a lot <laughs> it, mm-hmm. it's a lot mm-hmm. and like as f- far as um it cultural cultural appropriation is exploitative um a lot of times you'll you'll see this everywhere where um it can be used by the as we keep calling it the dominant culture to make a profit the dominant culture to sell merch because oh hey look at this merch it looks so cool and exotic so we're gonna sell like these t-shirts with religious symbols on it we're gonna sell these headdresses as halloween costumes we're going to sell um these african masks and stuff because they're they are different but they're not holding on to the actual cultural ideas of those things they're just selling it for profit they're just selling it as exoticism not as they're not it's not as appreciation they're trinkets that someone's going to put on a shelf rather than actually learn about the culture or actually understand the significance of the things that they are buying yeah it's it's upset i'm upset not like my usual fiery anger but i'm I'm upset because I, i've seen this so much and just it sucks i guess it just sucks yeah this section we're, we're we're almost done guys this has been a long and winding road yes i'm stealing that i'm appropriating that for the beatles um all right cultural appropriation versus appreciation and i know that like a lot of times when we talk about this or when someone calls something out for being appropriating, the fire back is like, oh, no, we're appreciating this. Oh, no, we're it's like we're trying to learn about it. And it's like there there is a side of it where, you know, this is appropriation where you are. Tr- sorry, this is appreciation. You are trying to learn from a culture and you're not just trying to exploit it. So I guess we'll do like the kind of kind of loosely definitions between appropriation and appreciation. So appreciation is when someone seeks to understand and learn about another culture in an effort to broaden their perspectives and connect with others cross-culturally. And on the other side, appropriation is adopting slash cherry-picking aspects of a culture for your own interests without acknowledging its place in the cultural heritage. So I think that kind of fits in exactly what we've been saying right Leah? yeah and there's a clear difference and i think like one example you could tell is that there's like um the use of maori tattoos which has always been a thing which is that 
often Maori tattoos, like um, Pacific Islander mm-hmm. tattoos, are um, ritual in significance or have tribal meaning, um, indicate like identity. So, and I know that it's a complex subject, that there are some groups who are like, yes, you're okay, but as long as they aren't significant, um, or yes, you can get them as long as they're done by traditional artists, it's, uh, it's a complex thing. And that's the thing, where it goes between knowing what your, what your tattoo is and going to your local tattoo artist and be like, give me, give me this without having any idea that that means something to another person and is important and is a way to show a way and often like Maori tattoos are a way to show resistance to colonization. So you using it takes away from that meaning that it has for them because it's them showing that they're resisting by practicing their own culture. Yeah. And, and the, the side, the side of appreciation versus appropriation, like the definition, like of, cherry picking takes taking out specific things like say when we were talking about the weeb culture um of hey i am learning the samurai code and i am i believe that i am a samurai and i'm taking out their dress and their way of um thinking that that that's appropriating because you are taking that one small aspect of the japanese culture that you know from either anime or from like looking online or whatever and not really understanding everything else that goes behind it that that's like the cherry picking side of it. it's like um the idea of you know mm, that's a bad example never mind i think i think i'm good on that right yeah no it's there's the whole point when you go to the, if you're talking about people who do study the bushido which is like the way of the samurai is there's this whole other context that goes with it. Do you know the historical context between what was happening at the time and why people don't still follow that today? Or like the ideas of like what other intellectual texts were important to Japanese culture at that point in time and the influence that like Buddhism had on, on these different things or the idea that everybody's like, oh, Shintoism so cool. Great. Do you know that it's like a religion that was created recently to put together a bunch of practices that were separate and not considered a religion until later on? Like it's there's also these things that go into this context of like where what place it has in society. And it's important to think about that. And I, I think the main thing that me as a white person can who studies anthropology, which is a field that was founded on cultural appropriation can tell you is to be introspective. Yeah. And that's how you can tell the difference is look at your goddamn self. And if you're wondering if it's cultural appropriation, it probably is. Probably is. And go and ask someone. Look it up. Start questioning where you are. If you are a weeb, Baby, question your thoughts that you have on things. It is important to be introspective. That's how you can tell but the difference. By asking other people. Also by, like, understanding that the one thing of a culture that you have pointed, like, taken out isn't the only thing. And be willing to learn from the culture and not just say that this, not just to find whatever culture that you are that the thing that you like or whatever is from not just defining that as being the sole thing that makes up the culture like oh hey this um dream catcher is the only thing about this culture or hey anime and 
um, Bushido is the only thing about Japanese culture. It's, I guess, no knowing your intention, knowing, yeah, be introspective, looking inside of yourself and knowing it's like, is it, am I taking from this or am I wanting to learn, am I liking this because I want to learn more about it? Do I think that this symbolism is just cool or do I understand that this is part of another culture and this has a deeper meaning? And, and just saying, as someone who studies not my own culture, let me tell you, I do this regularly. I like, this is something that's always on my mind is, and the thing is, is that I enjoy partaking of the culture that I study. Yeah. Which makes me say, am I appropriating? And I think about this regularly and it's something I don't want to do because I'm an academic and that's not okay. But everybody should do that on your regular life. If you are someone who loves animated death, you should regularly be asking yourself, am I getting like the context? Like as well, it's just like thinking about the fact that when you're viewing like anime as, as like the ultimate thing, you should also think about if you need to put it in context that it's one of many genres of yeah. mediums and that within that as a different way to look at it, not just of things that you need to think about what other mediums are doing in animation. So as you would think about that as the larger context, what are other people doing in animation? That is another way to think about it, that it's like you're looking at it within also that like like any medium, it can have it can have good things and bad things. That's a way to keep it in perspective is that there are good like books come in good books and not so good books, well written books and poor written books, just like I it this is it's just frustrating because it's something that I think about all the goddamn time and it's something that I wish more people did because I think it's really important to for your own self to like be contemplating these things it's also something that I think of because like I mean as you've known and as everybody knows I really like anime quite a bit and it's something I think about it's like Am I appropriating or am I appreciating? And it's something that I I, I do take time to look inside myself. It's like, what 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 is this? And and I and I I do think about it all the time. It's like, but it's like I I appreciate culture and I like don't just sit there and just oh yeah I'm gonna just absorb everything I want. I do think about this and it's something that needs to be thought about. It's like like I said, it's like know the intention. Like look inside yourself and think about it be introspective about it and that that's that's part of it. are you turning someone into an object was the question i was saying that are you reducing someone to an object are you treating as terry pressure would say evil begins when you start to treat people as yeah. things bam throw that out there that's what you should be asking yourself are you treating these people as objects are you viewing anime are you viewing japanese humans as the same way you view anime on the same level or are you treating them as independent people? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, I think that's a nice little wrap up of the appropriation versus appreciation. So, Leah, what are some, well, I guess, what are our final thoughts? We're going to go ahead and rate this conversation from um, a scale of 1 to 10. And <laughs> what, what? Uh, um, I just, like, this has a long thing. And there are some cases where people, like, especially on Twitter, like, go into these delves of, cultural appropriation is it is it not those are okay to have you can have those discussions with people you should get discussions from either side if you're going to accuse someone of cultural appropriation you should probably you should probably also know and be like hey 
And, you know, but the thing is, is that it's important to be introspective. You've got to do it yourself. You have to figure out these things. It's the same thing about like, as we've talked about, like writing characters who are minorities. You have to know from experience. It's not your culture. You need to ask. Don't take it. Don't yeah, touch. Yeah. No touchy. <laughs> That's the other thing. It's like the whole stereotype of like writing certain characters based off things you've only seen and never having talked to or experienced anything with that type of culture or person before. So, um, but I guess I guess cult- cultural appropriation it, it's it's a huge topic and like I think with all of these it's part of it is having a conversation if you if you want to know if what you're doing or what you enjoyed is cultural appropriation or if you think it's not like have the conversation ask why someone is saying it is as and like it all starts by communicating to each other if we're willing to listen and understand what someone else is saying to us i think that's the first step to a better tomorrow is being able to take the time and not just be like, okay this is not cultural appropriation you're just being whatever no just take sides like okay why do you think this is because i i don't know yeah. why why it's sitting and listening because i know a lot of the stuff on twitter is people firing back but never actually taking the time to understand the other side of the argument and so if we all just have that conversation then we're taking a right step and i think that's what this whole podcast is about is starting that conversation and remember your place of privilege like the fact you're firing back if someone's saying it because it could be a part of their culture that's super important to them. That you don't know the context by which they're they're holding on to this culture. You don't know what they've been through. Yeah. So take a second to actually listen right? to them. It's yeah, just yeah. Just listen to people and like under understand and also like try the things you like if it's something from another culture try to learn a little bit about the culture and know the importance or significance of some of the stuff happening like i know a lot of times in animes like i will go and look it's like okay this thing that i didn't really understand that they were talking about what is that all about and it's learning about the about the culture instead of just like taking it at face value it's it's a learn these things in society it's all about a learning opportunity and you went, mm, is that a bad mm? It's as well that you're like, it's, you can call out your friends too and be like, hey, hey listen. have you asked someone whether that's okay? That's allowed. Ding, 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 ding. Hey, hey, listen. That's the way you do it. Hey listen. hey, listen. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is this is the hey listen yeah. podcast. It's like, hey, if you if you want to have a conversation to someone, hey. you should be like, hey, listen, dude. Or if someone wants to have a, a conversation with you, hey, dude, listen to them. The hey, listen yeah. podcast. <laughs> but just to finish out, that we're gonna have this is such yes. a big topic that we've kind of needed to have a yeah. part two. So, and we're going to talk about some other parts of cultural appropriation, other topics related to that. So, we'll have a part two. Yeah, yeah. We're going to get more into the weeb and weeaboo culture stuff. We're going to talk about um, fetishization versus appreciation. And then the topic that I want to talk about because it came up so many times while I was searching for cultural appropriation in nerd culture is the topic of... um, the, the argument that nerd culture is being appropriated by non-nerds. And that's going to be a fun one. 
You already know my answer, but I think it's fun because I kept seeing, like, I kept seeing articles where it's like a cult, uh, nerd culture is being appropriate. And then seeing the other side articles, it's like, no, it's not. Stop. (laughs) So, but, but yeah, so look for that coming out soon. Um, and I think, I think that's a nice little wrap up because then we're going to definitely going to have a lot more fun talking next week about some of those topics. So. As we yeah. end every episode, yeah. Leah, what have we been doing recently? I can go first if you want. I'm drooling on myself. Or you can go first. Oh, you Sure. You okay. can go first. Um, because of another show that I do with another friend, um, check out We Belong on Twitch with my dear friend, Will, who we're going to be having on the show soon. Um, I am watching the anime Odd Taxi, um, which is another... I... Okay, furry culture is being pushed to the forefront. <laughs> where it's like, I'm seeing, hold on a second, Jesus I see Christ. a lot more material with anthropomorphized animals. Beastars being a huge oh thing that released, I think, last year or the year before. Um, and so, so we're getting more anthropomorphized animals in culture. And Odd Taxi is a um, show about anthropomorphized animals, but it is. Um, it follows a walrus taxi driver as he kind of takes in different um, customers and he gets himself like further and further wedged into this murder mystery slash Yakuza plot. So it's very, very interesting so far. I'm a couple episodes from finishing it, but, but, but it's interesting to know that the furries are pushing their agenda. I don't even, it's not furries. It's a way that you can divorce, like, you can do without. You know I'm joking, Yeah, well. Yeah, okay. I know. Yeah, it it, it is a way that you can display certain ideas without specifically um, showing certain people. And honestly, I think it's fun because, like, diversity is great because you can't really be like, oh, yes, this is all whitewashed when there's a walrus and alpaca and, um, uh, um, gosh, Frick, what is that monkey called? Rafiki. What kind of monkey is Rafiki? Baboon. Okay, sorry. My yeah. brain literally just went blank. Baboons. But yeah, yeah. So anyways, Leah, that's mine. Odd Taxi, Murder Mystery, and um, a taxi driver trying to figure out what the heck's going on while at the same time trying to keep to himself. Actually, sounds interesting. It's, a- it's actually really good. I think you might like it. So, anywho. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like my kind of thing. Like anyways, mine. So I have two. One is one that happened over the break that Jordan will be very happy about, that he's very right, that I read the first two volumes of Monstrous that he had talked about on the previous one. It's very good. The art style is fucking fantastic. Oh my god, Um, it's some of the best art I've ever seen in a comic. It's great. It's great. It's great. Mostly, like, I was, like, the number of female characters is amazing. It's fantastic. Like, everything. Yeah. It's good. Uh, He was right. So, wait. You Fair cut much. out. Can you say that last part again? Uh, <laughs> no. Okay. We're recording. I'm just no, going to like cut and paste not. it so you say you're right like five more times in a row. Oh, God. Please don't. Um, the second one is more recent and I include it because we're also going to ha- probably have an actual episode about it because I was... Yeah, I finally got off my ass and read Wizard of Ursi by Ursula Le Guin. Um, you don't know, 
He, Ursula Gwen is the queen of fantasy. She and sci-fi. She's an amazing writer who uh, published starting in like the 60s and like very famous. Um, and Ursi is her fantasy series. And I'd never read it and I'd always wanted to get around to it. I read it and I finished it. It's quite short for the first book and I'm going to keep reading it. It has a weird narration style that, like, I'm not used to. Like, I haven't read something with this, like, not omnipresent narrator all the wow. time. Interesting. So it's, 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 it's interesting, especially if you've been reading a lot of modern media. But it was also published in 1967 and has... Like almost all the main care, all the main, all of the main characters are people of color. That's cool, and it's awesome. Yeah, and her afterwards that she wrote for it. Oh my god, I highly recommend everybody read it because it's her being like, look how I fucking snuck this in to stick it to people, to stick it to the white audience, because that's what she had to do because it was published in goddamn 1967, like, and she became famous. With white audiences yeah. for a book um, that stars someone with dark skin. Yeah. Man, I really hope that there's like a live action that really shows a bunch of um, black <laughs> characters being strong and great. And they don't just like completely whitewash yeah. the whole entire story because that will be upsetting. Hmm. You know, Sean Ashmore hmm. needs a and job. That's, uh, yeah, well, yeah, there's probably going to be we're going to do an episode <laughs> on it because there's a whole thing as Jordan has just alluded to, that we'll talk about and get into. And I'm not excited to watch that remake because it's awful. But I'm going to watch it anyways for the sake of this podcast. <gasps> we Bye. punish ourselves in order to make you happy. We we, yeah. we hurt so ourselves in order to make you guys educated. So enjoy. You. I recommend everyone read Ursi just so you have a little bit of fantasy okay. tradition. Again, that was... Um, the Wizard of Earthsea. Um, I don't know if it was just me, but when you first said it, you said it kind of quick. So it said Wizard Diversity was what I heard. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, you know, Wizard Diversity. No, wizard that's diversity. that's our new podcast is yeah. Wizard Diversity. It's talking about the diversity specifically in Dungeons and Dragons amongst only wizards, which is oh, also yeah. my new website. I, I, starting only wizards. Oh, yeah. I, I just really want people to read it as well so it can be like, yeah, you haven't just read Tolkien. You've been like, you've read, you've read, like, Tolkien's great. Everybody, we love Tolkien here, but I'm also like, everybody should read her work. Yeah, he can't be the Tolkien fantasy author you read. Oh, my God. You've spoiled it. I already made that joke. You can't take it from me. That was mine. Did I just appropriate that was my your joke? joke? <laughs> you just appropriated my okay. joke. Any. Oh, no one knows what we're talking about, but I made that joke first, everyone. Okay. Anyways, Leah. Um, yeah, that's the end of the episode. So I usually plug stuff, but yeah, you can check us out here. Thank you. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, actually, no. Please check out the Educated Mess Network and the other podcasts such as Rumor Flies, Everything But Murder, and Jack of All Trades. So please, or Jack of Trades, crap, I always get the title wrong. I'm sorry, guys. But yeah, please check out it's our fine. wonderful network that we are now a part of, the Educated Mess Network, and that link shall be in the description. So that's where you can find us, and please support the other shows. Thank you guys for listening. Yeah. We have fun. Um, hurting ourselves and for your entertainment so um thank you 
for checking out our Please. podcast, and we'll talk to y'all later. Bye. 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 <laughs>